Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host, Nick Polkuski, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker, ultra-marathon runner, and the founder of VIPSuccessCoaching.com, Mr. Hal Elra. All right, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, aka Goal Achievers. Hey, it's Hal Elrod, and uh, this is the third solo episode in a row. What's the deal? Nobody will talk to me. I can't get any guests. No, I got like three guests for next week, and so uh, you'll get to hear from some really interesting folks. In fact, why don't I give you, yeah, I could actually like tell you and preview you as to who's coming up. Um, One gentleman is Pat Solomon. He uh, is a filmmaker, and he created the film... Finding Joe about Joseph Campbell, uh, the, who is the creator of the hero's journey. So really fascinating individual. I'll be interviewing Pat next week. So, uh, you know, look, look out for that soon. And then the other one I'm pumped about, uh, Charlie Brenneman, who is a former UFC fighter turned kind of motivational speaker. And I mean, I was, I watched his debut fight in the UFC. I watched his second fight. He upset this huge, you know, guy that was on a championship title run. So, uh, I, I actually, let me, let me pause and tell you that I've recently had an epiphany. And I don't think I've shared this with you yet. This is around the Achieve Your Goals podcast. And uh, I do suffer from, you know, a little bit of brain damage. So I might've shared this last week. I don't remember, but uh, I, my realization is, so I'm like obsessive compulsive about adding value, right? And um, when, sometimes when I, I look at it the wrong way, I think where if I'm interviewing somebody and they're like lo- telling a long drawn out story, uh, you know, I, I get like, I get, I'll go, I'll, I'll start like tweaking in my seat, you know, like getting fidgety and going, God, teach something, tell my audience something of value, right? Which is really ironic and hypocritical because I'm like the most long-winded storyteller of, you know, of anybody. But I get all kind of, um, I tweak out a little bit and get kind of freaked out if people aren't like giving valuable, actionable tips and strategies to you, to our listeners, right? So recently I had an epiphany and it came from listening to other people's podcasts, which leads me to a confession. And by the way, today's episode is going to be awesome. So you're going to get value, by the way. I'm going to dive into some value bombs. But before I do, I just wanted to, to, to chat a little bit about this. And the, uh, the confession is, I don't listen to podcasts. Well, I shouldn't say I don't listen to podcasts, but I don't listen to them very much. Uh, at least I haven't in the past. And, and I should say I, I, I am now. I've, I've committed to listening to podcasts because I realize if I want to be a better podcaster, I've got to listen to podcasts. And the reason I didn't listen to them is I'm just never in the car for very long, typically, unless I'm going to the airport, which I do frequently, I guess. But it's always me on the phone, returning phone calls, trying to be productive, right? So long story short, I started listening to uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast and just various podcasts to get better and just listen to how do these phenomenal world-class podcasters, how do they interview and, and what, what style do they have? And the one thing that I found, and I think I was actually listening to when, when I had this epiphany, I was listening to Tim Ferriss's interview with uh, Edward Norton, right? The, you know, Hollywood, world famous Hollywood actor. And Ed wasn't really teaching anything, but I found myself totally intrigued just listening to Ed because he's such a fascinating individual. And my realization was, 
I just need to, you know, for my interviews, instead of trying to pull all, just like nugget after nugget and make it super actionable and valuable and, and kind of obsess about that, I just need to keep interviewing interesting people and ask them more interesting questions and allow them to open up and share who they are and, and, and you know, how they got there. Because what I realized is I was learning so much from that interview with Ed Norton, even though he wasn't teaching anything. And I had lost sight of that, right? That just when we hear someone else's story, their experience, that the nuances, the, the intricacies, that, you know, the, there are components that we draw lessons from, uh, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. We don't even realize that we're learning something. And then it hits us later, like in a moment, you're like, oh, you know what? This reminds me of that story from that one guy in that podcast that he was telling. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do what he did. I'm going to be courageous or I'm going to overcome or I'm going to make a smart decision or whatever. So achieve your goals, podcast listeners. You're, I, you know, I think that the podcast is about to get better. And if you're already a fan, that's, you know, that's, that's good. But uh, the interviews that I do, I'm really going, I'm really striving to become a much better interviewer. And uh, that starts with our next two interviews coming up uh, that I'll be interviewing next week, recording next week. They'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks after that. But uh, one with filmmaker Pat Solomon and uh, one with UFC fighter turned motivational speaker Charlie Brenneman, who, by the way, I was a fan of. And he emailed me and said, Hal, after I lost my last fight in Brazil, which I watched that, you know, I mean, guys, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to him what it's like to be a cage fighter and get punched in the face and the fear. Like, I just I, I imagine it like, you know, the fear of going into that cage and knowing that your entire career is on the line. And, um, you know, we're going to talk to Charlie about what it's like to fight in the UFC, uh, what it's like to, you know, be achieving on the goal to achieving your dream, right? He was winning, you know, and, and, and on, like he was the next hot prospect. Then he got knocked out. Then he got knocked out again. Right. And, and, and what it's like, what is it like to have your dream derailed and how do you shift gears from that? Right. I mean, it's, it's really, to me, it's fascinating. So that's the direction that the interviews are going to be taking moving forward with the achieve your goals podcast listeners is interviewing fascinating people, which I've always done, but not being so attached to like some rigid structure, which I've kind of been attached to, and really just diving in and asking interesting questions from these fascinating people and, and pulling wisdom and nuggets and experience that you, the faithful, loyal, awesome listeners of the Achieve Your Goals podcast can benefit from. So with that being said, when you get solo episodes from me, as you're going to get today, these are going to be much more content oriented, right? These are going to be much more like, how can I add value, add value, add value? Um, although up until this point, I haven't really done that yet, but I'm going to dive in here in just a minute and do so. Or in fact, let's dive in right now. I got, I got nothing else to tell you. Um, so I was, uh, I was actually earlier today, I was running a best year ever coaching call for my best year ever coaching members. Um, and I probably should promote this more often, but if, if you're interested in, in getting coaching from me every month, go to bestyearevercoaching.net, bestyearevercoaching.net, and you can get a $1 uh, one-week trial of the program and, and see if it's a good fit for you. And then we do two live calls a month. And when I say we, um, they're kind of divided between me and uh, John Berghoff, the co-founder of the Best Year Ever Blueprint, who you've heard from many times on the uh, the podcast. 
But there you go. So that is uh, the update, bestrivercoaching.net. And we're going to dive in. Well, the, the reason for the call today and kind of the topic, which, by the way, I was struggling with. I've been sitting here at my desk for like 30 minutes going, what am I going to talk about? Like, I need to record a podcast. I just, I don't, nothing's coming to me. Nothing's, feel, you know, just, I, nothing was like, it just wasn't coming. And, and then I realized, wait a minute, I just ran this best year ever coaching call. It was a Q&A call. So all of our members got to ask, you know, me anything that they wanted. And one of the questions from our member, Lena, uh, she asked me, Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? And then she said, how about your 25-plus-year-old self, right? So maybe 30 or 35-year-old self. Um, and she said she'd be particularly interested in hearing uh, my take on career and relationships, be it whether the relationships be you know social, romantic, uh, and or business. So that's you know, what a great question, right? I mean, what, what would you tell? And there's a great question for you to consider for yourself. What, what would you tell your... 25-year-old self? What advice would you give your 25-year-old self? And if you're, uh, if you're not 25 yet, if you're one of our younger listeners, right, imagine that you are older and wiser and go, well, what would I tell myself now that I need to start doing differently now, right? Isn't that interesting? Like, think about that. And that actually is true for any, every person listening, no matter whether you're 25, 35, 45, 55, 95, right? Fast forward or just get present and go, what? would I tell myself now looking back that I should have stopped doing that wasn't serving me or what should I have started doing? Right? So you don't need to just look back and, and give yourself, obviously you can't go back in time and give your 25 year old self or whatever year old self that is younger than you are now. Right? Unless you're Michael J. Fox with a DeLorean, Marty McFly with a DeLorean, you can't go back in time, but, uh, but you could always stop right now and be really present. And typically if we're really honest with ourselves and we, you know, ask what could I, uh, you know, what what should I stop doing or what should I start doing? Usually the answers are, are they're pretty clear. We typically know which habits are, are bad habits that we need to stop and which positive habits uh, we need to start or, or, you know, pick back up. So, so I'm going to give you my three answers to this question of what advice would I give to my 25 year old self? And, you know, what's interesting is it, it, I mean, it really applies today. It's a lot of this is looking at, right. The things that have, that have gotten me from when I was 25 to where I'm at now, which I'm, you know, for total transparency, I'm 36 years old. Uh, I'll be 37 here in a couple of months, but, um, what, what, what's the most valuable, you know, kind of principles or guiding principles that at one point in my life, I finally adopted and, uh, and they made the biggest difference for me. So that's really what I'm going to talk about today. And I hope it shouldn't be a very, very lengthy podcast episode, but I always say that and I always prove myself wrong. So let's dive right in. All right. Number one, the first thing, the first piece of advice that I would have given to my younger self is to begin with the end in mind. And what I mean by that, begin with the end in mind is, is really just to be more thoughtful and considerate with every choice that I make, especially the priority, you know, the, like the projects that I take on, the opportunities that I, that I, that I engage in. And the, you know, for me, I, I don't know about you and maybe you can relate to this, but typically, uh, you know, I'm, I'm emotional, right? In terms of like, I get excited and I take action. So that's usually what I end up doing is I think of an idea, I think of a project, I think of a goal, I think of, a, you know, a ch something and that I think would be positive 
and I, I, without any thought, I, I'll just open up my email, you know, inbox and I'll shoot an email off or I'll open up, you know, the Miracle Morning Facebook community and I'll, I'll post in there, hey, I'm doing this. And that, that, you know, it's been, it served me, by the way. You know, I posted that I was going to run a 52 mile ultra marathon before I gave it literally, I think I thought about it for like two minutes. And I thought, you know what? The only way I'm going to do this is if I have accountability. So I just posted publicly that I'm going to run this 52 mile ultra marathon and I, said I'm going to do it to raise money for the Front Row Foundation. And I did that because I knew that if I made a public commitment, um, leveraging my integrity, that I wouldn't want to let people down and, and be a, a fraud and a liar. So uh, I did it, right? So, but if I wouldn't have, if I would have thought about it too much, I probably wouldn't have actually done it. I would have thought rationally and that like it was a crazy idea. Um, same thing with my first live event, the Best Year Ever Blueprint. I just read my affirmations one day from like four or five years previous that said, put on your first event this year, get over your fear. And I realized it's been four or five years since I wrote that affirmation and I didn't do it that year and I didn't do it the next year and I've been letting fear beat me. I'm like, that's ridiculous. So I went into the Miracle Morning community and I posted, hey everybody, mark your calendar, first weekend in December. You know, this was in 2014. I said, and it was like five months before, I said, San Diego, our first ever live event. It's going to be great. More details to follow. And I clicked post, right? So there's, there's an advantage to not thinking things through in some ways because um, you, you know, you're just, just taking action, right? Speed of implementation. But I think there's a really healthy balance that we have to strike. And I'll give you a, a few examples of things that I, you know, that specifically where if I would have been more thoughtful with my choices, I would have done things differently. And I advise my you know, private coaching clients often based on this guiding principle of really beginning with the end in mind. And when I say the end, I really mean like, looking at any choice you're about to make or uh, an opportunity and fast forwarding five years or 10 years and going, okay, if I start down this path, is this what I want to be doing in five years or, or where will this lead in five years? If I keep this habit up, what will my life be like in five years or what do I need to do now so that five years from now I'm healthier, happier, wealthier, living the life that I really want. And one is scaling. So if you're an entrepreneur, uh, I think one of the most important things to, to begin your entrepreneurial journey with, or it doesn't, you have to begin it if you're, you know, if you're five years or 10 years or 20 years in, uh, is the idea of look at how you want to scale your business. And what I mean by that, the way that I would define scale. So I'll look at scale from a couple ways, right? Scaling, let's say scaling your impact, scaling your income, scaling your freedom, right? These are all things that can scale and often support each other. So when I started one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? I just did it because I was like, wow, this is really cool. It's fulfilling. I can help people. I could be a coach. I mean, wow. And I had a coach. So that's where I got the idea. I was like, wow, my coach changed my life. I want to do this for other people. But here's the thing. At first it was fun and it was exciting as most new things are, but as soon as I got to a point where I had done it long enough, day after day, coaching client after coaching client, it became redundant and tedious. And it's like anything that, you know, it became a job. You know, first it was an entrepreneurial opportunity, then it became a job where I was trading time for money. Now, granted, it was always fulfilling because I was helping people, but it didn't mean I was enjoying it, right? I mean, there, you know, I'll be be honest, right? It doesn't mean, I'm sure you, we all do things that we don't necessarily enjoy. And the more we do them and we feel like we have to do them, 
And that was the rub, right? Is that I had to show up to my coaching calls. I signed up for, I signed a client on for 12 months. I had to talk to him. You know, at first it was like, you know, four times a, year, a month, right? Every week, you know, all your uh, 52 calls with, with this one person. And, you know, not all my coaching clients are created equal, right? Like some are fired up and positive and they're big thinkers. And I love talking to them. They energize me. And some come to the calls, you know, complaining and they're, they're draining me. And right. So, so had I thought, so number one, I, with one-on-one coaching, right, beginning with the end in mind, I would have thought, okay, do I want to do this forever? And, and, and in terms of how I would scale, I go, okay, well, I can't scale one-on-one coaching, at least not with the model that I had in the beginning, because I was coaching, you know, talking to a person for a fee, and it was a direct trade of time for money. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think coaching, if someone decides to be a coach for their life's profession, I think it's a really noble career. It's, it's fantastic. You're earning an income based on serving and helping people improve their lives or their businesses, right? It's great. But, but for me, I realized that it took me many years to figure out I can't scale my impact, meaning I can only serve the amount of clients that I have hours in a day. Right, so there was a limit to how I could scale it. It was it was it was limited by the amount of hours in a day, um, and I can't scale my income with this model either because it's limited by how many hours I have in a day. Right, in that if there are you know I can only fit so many clients in my schedule, and then that maxes out my impact and it maxes out my income. So when I made a shift, was the way I was able to scale my impact and my income as a coach is in two thousand I think eleven when I launched my group coaching program, which is now the best year ever coaching program that I mentioned, but it's for many years, it was VIP success coaching. And which I don't even know where I came up with that name, but I just did. And uh, the, the, but, but what happened was I went from, I started with five group coaching clients and then I went to within two months, I had 70. So keep in mind, I was doing two calls a month and, and, and normally back then, I think I charged like, uh, maybe like $647 a month for two calls. Uh, so if I was talking with one person twice a month, I was impacting that one person and I was earning $647 for that impact. So my impact and income were really limited. And then, and, and I want you to think about how can you apply this to your business or to your life, right? How can you scale? Um, and the uh, so what happened was I grew it from five to 70 members. And at now, and that was at $97 a month. It started with five. That's when my group coaching program launched. There were five members at 97 a month. So I was making you know, a little bit less than I would for the one-on-one coaching, but the same amount of time. But I was quickly able to ask those people because they were getting value for referrals. And then I was able to, you know, grow it from five to 70 members. So if you do the math, right, $97 a month. So they were actually paying less than they would have for private coaching. Granted, they weren't getting, you know, the one-on-one attention quite as much. They would still get that one-on-one time during our group coaching calls because they could ask me questions. But my impact went from impacting one person during those two calls a month to impacting 70 people during those two calls a month. Not to mention everyone that those 70 people were then impacting because they were becoming better versions of themselves. So I was able to scale my impact 70 times over. And then eventually I grew that program to, you know, hundreds of, of members, which to this day it is, it's in the hundreds of members to where now that impact for those same two calls. So the time didn't change. That's, that's what scaling is about, right? It's, it's, it's amplifying exponentially increasing your 
impact or your income in this case. And so I was able to increase my impact to 70 people. And of course, if you do the math, $97, we'll say $100 just to round it up, times those 70 people, those two calls, instead of generating me the $647 a month that that one coaching client would have generated, now they, it was generating me almost $7,000 for the same exact amount of time. So I'm impacting more people and my income is a reflection of the amount of people that I'm impacting. So that's an example of scaling. Now it took me, you know, six years of one-on-one coaching before I finally realized, so I started one-on-one coaching when I was, I think 26. And then when I was like 32 or whatever, I launched the group coaching program and I went, gosh, why didn't I think of this sooner? Right? So that's one of the things that when I was 25, I wish I would have, you know, beginning with the end in mind, being more thoughtful, uh, scaling is one thing that I would have wish I would have done differently. And I would ask you, how can you apply that, right? How can you, you're taking your business right now, is it scalable? How can you scale it? And there's a couple books I'd recommend on that topic. One is called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. That's kind of the Bible of, you know, scaling. And then another one that I've, I'm, I'm only partway through right now, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it, uh, is called Traction by Gino uh, Wickman, I think. Gino Wickman, but if you just if you go to Amazon and search Traction, you'll find that book, and uh, it actually speaks to me a little more. I, I like the way it's written a little more than Scaling Up, but but again, I haven't read the whole. I'm not through that Traction book yet, so I can't can't give you the final verdict if it's better or worse or whatever. But so far, the beginning of it, you know, the first couple chapters, uh, I'm enjoying uh, more. It's a better read, but. Second thing I wish I would have done differently is aligning my projects so that they support each other. So this goes back to the same thing, like getting excited, going, ooh, this is a cool opportunity, I'm gonna do it, right? And just diving in and doing it without giving thoughtful consideration to how does this impact every aspect of my business and my life? And ideally, when I say aligning my projects and goals, it's, it's, it's asking, does this, every time a new opportunity comes up or a new project or you know a goal, going, does this contribute to my current goals and projects or does it distract from them? Does it, does the time I invest in this other thing, this new thing, will that contribute and feed my current focus or focuses or will it detract from my current focuses, right? So give you an example, like for me, uh, the, if you, I, you know, I, I, I do too. I do a lot of stuff, right? In terms of like the events and the coaching and the speaking and the right group coaching, private coaching, and uh, the books and the ser- book series, and we're doing the documentary. So you know, there, I'm spread all over the place. But a couple things. Number one is actually, and I hadn't thought of this, but um, I have I've been building a team. So that is actually one thing. In fact, I'm actually going to write that down <laughs> as one of the things that I would have built a team a lot sooner. Uh, build a team a lot sooner, right? I, meaning I would have, and the problem is that control freak thing, that, that letting go and being like, well, yeah, they maybe not be able to do it as well as I can do it because it took me a long time to learn, but you know, you, I mean, they have to start somewhere. And I, I, it took me, that's probably one of the biggest things. It took me a long time to, for example, hire an executive assistant, which has been just a game changer. And here's a little bonus tip for if you're, if you struggle with that, like, yeah, but what I, you know, having, Hiring someone to do the pieces of my business that I already do is, you know, like there's so many little details and intricacies that I just don't have the, I don't know if I could teach them or train them or they could do it as well. One of the best things that I've been doing recently with Tiffany, who's my chief of staff, kind of slash executive assistant, is 
I, I, instead of me feeling like I have to figure it out so that I can tell her what to do or how to do something or teach her, I just tell her to figure it out. I go, hey, I, here's the result that I want. I have no idea how to get that done. Just go figure that out, right? Google it. Or, or I'll give her any guidance I can. Like the other day, we're looking at getting, you know, the Miracle Morning. Um, Barnes & Nobles reached out recently, really exciting. They reached out like a week or two ago, and they, they said they have so many people that have requested the Miracle Morning in the bookstores, they want to carry it in their stores, which is, for a self-published author, right, it's like total dream come true. So... I um, found out that I, I I thought it was, oh, cool, Let's what do we need to do? And they let me know, well, you currently, the way you're set up through your self-publishing, CreateSpace there, you can't, you can't, we can't buy from you. We can't do it. You have to repub. Oh, there's all this stuff they said I needed to do. And I looked at it and I'm like, ah, oh, that's going to take me hours to figure out. I don't even know, I don't even know where to start. And I went, wait a minute. And I forwarded the email to, to Tiffany. I said, hey, figure that out. Right, and it took her like five hours, like being on hold with one person for an hour and forty minutes. There was all this, like so much went into it. But the beauty of it is, she came back and she's like, "Here's what, here's here's the deal. Here's the result. Here's what you need to do. Super simple. I'll take care of it. Let's go." Right, so really, really powerful. So that was kind of a tangent, but but in terms of scaling, building a team is obviously a really important part of that. But in terms of aligning projects so that they support each other, for me, uh, like an example this morning. Uh, I got, I had a call with a filmmaker and he wants to, uh, feature me in this documentary where the, um, oh, it's on like mentorship and I'd be one of five mentors mentoring an entrepreneur that was doing at least a half million dollars in his business right now a year. And my job as the mentor would be to get him to a million dollars in, in 12 months. And the, the documentary would begin filming like, or it'd be, the process would start in the next couple of months and then they'd film through all of 2017. And at first my instinct, and maybe I'd imagine you could relate to this is like, whoa, this is such a cool opportunity. Like, wow, I'm totally going to, totally, this is great. I'm so, I'm so grateful and excited. And I mean, I can't even believe that they're going to, you know, they're considering me for this. Right. So I was all excited and and we were, and I was asking him questions leading to a, yeah, like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, like, tell, tell me more. And I'm asking all these questions. And then, thankfully, my, the new, you know, thoughtful cap that I'm trying to wear more often that my, my business partner, John Berghoff is, you know, I, I really owe this to him. He's like the most, he's so good at thinking globally about every decision that he makes or we make and how it impacts the entire system and the brand and right. I mean, like all this stuff that and it's really, I think that's big and big impact. I, I credit John a lot for helping to shape my mindset through the conversations that, you know, we have ever since we partnered a year or so ago. But I, uh, so I'm, I'm get all excited. And then all of a sudden I stop and I consider for a second and I said, Hey, uh, I, I apologize, but you know what? Um, I, I just, I realized that I, I can't, I can't say yes to this because the saying yes to this means saying no to the other commitments that I've already made. And this, this is a distraction. This isn't in alignment with the other commitments I've made and the projects I have and the goals and the mission I'm on. And this would be cool. And I'm sure it would add to it in, in some ways, but, but overall, this is, this is a distraction and a detraction, not a contribution to my current focus. So I would encourage you, right? Ask yourself, what are the projects that you have right now in your life? Are there any that you need to stop doing? Are there any that you need to shift? And, and anything that comes your way, right, or anything you've been considering, does it align, does it contribute to your current set of priorities and your current focus? So I wish I would have thought that way, you know, 10 years ago. 
Um, but hey, better late than, than never, of course. So how can you apply that? Beginning with the end in mind, being thoughtful with your choices, scaling, right, which we talked about. How can you, what, what would your business look like if you were to scale it? Meaning, you know, it, it, you're able to impact more people, generate more income, and free up more of your time, right? That, those are the three ways that I would kind of, I would, I would define scaling in this context. And then how can you align, you know, your projects so that they support each other? Um, and then, of course, building a team, as I mentioned, right? That That's a big a big part of that. Uh, and then the next, I'm just going to share, yeah, maybe we'll get to all three. I, guess. I told you it'd be a short podcast, and then I talk so long. All right, so, um, all right, we're going to go into these. Uh, the second one that I would have done sooner is to aggressively upgrade my circle of influence. To aggressively upgrade my circle of influence. Now we did an entire podcast episode on this, so that that will allow me to to not invest a lot of you know I'll, I'll keep up my answer as brief as I can here. And if you want, if you search Hal Elrod upgrade your circle of influence, uh, I'm sure the podcast will come up for you either on iTunes or on my website. But uh, there's a great quote from Jim Rohn, right? The great Jim Rohn, and you've probably heard this. Jim Rohn said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I, I think that was a, a Jim Rohn original quote. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Most of us have heard this or we know this. Um, I believe, though, that this is arguably the single most important, and I know that was last week's podcast, I talked about it being the single most important, you know, arguably, right? So you gotta put the word arguably in there to give you a little buffer, uh, because there's so many important things, but this is one of the most important factors to your quality of life immediately and in the future, right? Your future success, your current quality of life is your circle of influence. So it's it's arguably the one of the most important, if not the most important component, determining factor in your success. Yet, and here's the rub, it's arguably the single most underutilized success principle, under-leveraged, under-implemented. Meaning, we hear that, and most people, I, I think, right? I, I can't speak for everybody, but I think that most people just keep hanging out with the same folks, right? Like you hear that, like, yeah, upgrade your circle of influence or, you know, improve who you hang out with or whatever. Um, but then what we do is we end up spending time with the same people. And I really think that that was one of the things that when I, you know, I, I figured it out at, I don't know what age it was, but uh, I started aggressively upgrading my circle of influence, identifying who I wanted to spend more time with and who I needed to limit time with. And that's, by the way, that's, that's the actual how you do this. You literally make two lists, okay? Two lists. One of all of the people in your life that are not contributing to your growth and to you becoming the best version of yourself and you creating the most extraordinary life you can imagine. The people that are not contributing to that, you make a list of those people. And then on the other side of the paper, you make a list of the people that that are contributing to that or that would contribute to that. So either it's people in your life that you wanna spend more time with or people that aren't even in your life that you wanna seek out and you wanna find a way to add value for them and you wanna bring them and invite them and attract them into your life. And then the people that are in between, which are people that like, you know them, they're in your life, but you wanna spend more time with them, right? You're not, they're not influencing you as much as they could be or should be because you're limited in how much time that you share with those people. In fact, um, Brendan Burchard does a similar exercise to this that uh, it's at his High Performance Academy where he has you make a list of your growth friends, which is what, it's the people I just described that would contribute to you know, your success and you becoming the best version of yourself. And then he has you make a list of your, he calls them your maintenance friends, right? Which are friends that you, and family too, 
people that you will maintain a relationship with because you love and care about them. Maybe you have history with them, right? But if you identify that they're not helping you grow and become the best version of yourself, you're gonna minimize the time that you spend with them, right? You're gonna be strategic and thoughtful about how much time you're being influenced by people that aren't contributing to your growth. And you're gonna be thoughtful and intentional about how much time you're spending with people that are contributing to your growth. And I'll give you one example of this. My good friend, John Vroman, Many years ago, I met John. He was an executive when I worked for Cutco, and I met him. And you know, he's a little little older than I am, and uh, a lot wiser than I am. Still, a lot wiser than I am. But John Vroman, I you know, I met him, and I just he was such an authentic guy, such a smart guy. I just saw the path that he was headed on, and I thought this is somebody I want in my circle of influence. Uh, John Vroman, by the way, uh, I've been telling him for a quick side note, pause. I've been telling him for two years, maybe longer, ever since I launched this podcast, that he needed to record a podcast because he is one of the most brilliant coaches and one of the best, like one of the best interviewers. Like he's so good at asking great questions. And so finally he launched a podcast. It's called The Front Row Factor. And I highly encourage you, uh, if you like this podcast, if you like my podcast, uh, his is probably way better. I've heard a few episodes and I'm loving it so far. And people are these great reviews, but go subscribe to John Broman's Front Row Factor podcast. So I end up, I, you know, I, I, John and I just connect at a few events and I, I, I don't like know him well enough to call him and talk to him. And, you know, I, I just know him from like, hey, how are you seeing each other occasionally, you know, a couple times a year. And I decide when I first do this exercise of getting clear on who do I want to upgrade in my circle of influence or who, who would that be in my circle that would help me to upgrade it. And John was one of those people. So I actively started figuring out, I started looking into, I started kind of following John on Facebook and stalking him, if you will, and looking at how can I add value to John's life, right? Like that to me is the simplest, you know, way to, how do you upgrade your circle of influence? You identify the people that you want to minimize time with. You identify the people, and by the way, do this. <laughs> Remember what I just said. Don't, don't just listen and go, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And keep listening. Like pause it, pull out your schedule and write in your note, make a list of, you know, you can use Brendan's terminology, growth friends and a list of contra- or no, maintenance friends. And, and, then, and then, you know, g- get strategic and intentional about minimizing time with my maintenance friends and, and, and finding ways to increase my time invested and shared with my growth friends, right? So make that list be actionable. Like I said, this is the most underutilized success principle, but it's arguably the most important. So I did that for John. John is the founder of the Front Row Foundation, the charity. Uh, so I started, you know, I started, and I really believe in it. So I started supporting the foundation, being more active and asking him how I could contribute. And I started finding ways to add value to his life. And, um, you know, there's ways you can do that by connecting. And I, I, I would connect him with other people. Uh, like right now, I just, I promoted his podcast, right? I, I wasn't thinking about, doing that, you know, it just kind of came up, but, but there's a way to add, keep adding value, right? So continuously adding value is, is the best way to upgrade your circle of influence. Um, and, uh, and then last, that's the second thing I wish I would have done when I was younger. And the, the last one, and this is what I'll close on, is when I was younger, I wish I would have understood or believed that I am worthy of extraordinary success. 
And and by the way, I, I still struggle with this. You know, I still struggle with this. The 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 Marianne Williamson quote of I you know who were who we we think to ourselves, who am I to be, you know, special? I, I don't even know all the adjectives: special, charming, beautiful, fantastic. And then she says, you know, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. You're playing small does not serve the world, and all of that. I, I think that we all suffer from that at, at some level. But, um, I, I, you know, and even to this day, sometimes I'll look at my successor and I'll go, gosh, you know, I, I, am I going to lose this like any second? Am I, am I somehow like just like, skate, like, you know, getting by with this, you know, like things going well? And I mean, it logically doesn't make sense. When I logically stop and I, you know, and I assess, I'm like, well, I'm adding value for people and, and that is, you know, giving me my, the freedom that I want and I'm focusing on all the right things and it's, you know, giving me the, the, you know, the fruits of my labor are showing up. And so, I mean, there's really no logic to the, the fear of, of failure and, and all of that. Right. But, but that, that I wish I would have realized that I am worthy of extraordinary success. And when I say success, by the way, um, I, I think we, we can all have our own definition. I define success really in two ways. There's kind of my external definition and my internal definition. Uh, externally, I define it as freedom, right? So the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with whomever I want, right? That, that's the first definition is the, the internal definition is, or I'm sorry, the external definition is freedom. The way that I define success internally is fulfillment, right? So there's freedom, on the outside, fulfillment on the inside. So to me, success is really putting yourself in a position to have the freedom to do what you want, when you want, with whomever you want, and then to truly be successful, utilizing that freedom to do things that bring you fulfillment and that bring others fulfillment. So freedom and fulfillment, and they go hand in hand, one leads to the other, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you define success, right? How do you define success? And, or extraordinary success, I should say. And do you really believe that you're going to accomplish it? Do you believe that you're worthy of it and deserving of it and capable of it? And you may have heard me say this before, but my favorite affirmation, and because it's the one that you know, I think that I need the most, um, is I am just as worthy, deserving, and capable of blank right? So I will, I will literally put into that affirmation what it's kind of a formula. And then the blank, you know, it, in this case, it would have been, I am just as worthy, deserving, and capable of extraordinary success. Uh, but, but a lot of times I'll use that affirmation for specific things. Like when I'm trying to achieve a certain goal, like put on the live event or whatever, and I'm, I, I, that blank becomes, I'm just as worthy, deserving, and capable of, you know, selling out my event and, and changing the lives of, you know, 300 or 400 or whatever it is, attendees at the event as all of the people who I look up to, all of the event, you know, all of the events that I've been to, like, I, why not me? I'm just as worthy, deserving, and capable. So I wish I would have gotten that earlier. Uh, and, and I will say that you don't have to fully believe that to be successful. Because like I said, I'm still, it's still something that I struggle with. I still every day read that affirmation and I still have to like read it and, and, and really try to fully internalize it and believe it. And, uh, but the point is you don't have to fully believe it to be successful because you can still do the things that will bring you freedom and that will bring you fulfillment or that will bring you whatever your definition of success is, even when you don't fully feel worthy, deserving, and capable. So um, ideally, you know, if you can embody that belief at a, at a soulful, heartfelt, core, you know, level, 
right away, that's great. And maybe you already have it. I mean, I think some people, they, they're, they have that, that, they feel that sense of worth from day one. And I, I feel it intellectually, like I, or I know it intellectually, right? But, but I don't always feel it deep down. There's this fear and fear of loss and fear of it all going away, all the things I work for, like they could just disappear and maybe it's the economy crashing or I, I don't really know. But, uh, but, but yeah, the fear is there and so it's a constant kind of battle. So how do you define success, right? freedom, fulfillment, something different, you know, how do you define success? Maybe it's love, maybe it's bliss, whatever it is for you. And, and then uh, we'll close out with a couple of questions, right? Are you living every day in alignment with your definition of success? So how do you define it? Write that down, pause this, write that down. How do you define success? And are you living every day in alignment with your definition of success? And, and finally, you know, do you believe deep down, authentically believe that you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving extraordinary success as you define it as any other person on earth. And that's the last part of the affirmation, by the way, is as any other person on earth. So I'm, I'm just as worthy, deserving, and capable of extraordinary success as any other person on earth. And, and so realize that 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 success, however you define it, unless it's a, you know, it's a monetary measurable goal, which is fine. But like for me, I'm always working towards more freedom and more fulfillment. But I think it's important that you realize that, that success, at least in that, in that context, it's not something that you attain. It's something that you, you, you extract from life now. So it's, it's important, be present to the success you already have on your journey to achieving the levels of success that you want. And I think that's the, th the thought I'd love to close the podcast with today, is be present to the success that you already have while you're on your journey to creating or attracting or sustaining, experiencing the levels of success that you ultimately want. And so for me, it's that freedom. I try to be present to the freedom that I already have. You know, maybe I want freedom where I don't have to work at all or I don't have to, you know, I don't have to stress about money at all or whatever, right? I'm always working towards a higher level of freedom, but it's so important that we're present to the freedom that we have now, the success we have now, the happiness we have now. And, and for me, the other aspect is the fulfillment, right? Freedom and fulfillment. So being present to the fulfillment that I have now and doing things every day, meditating and, and doing affirmations and, and, and bringing present with my, being present with my kids and my wife and, 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 and just journaling, right? Affirming how many amazing things I have right now to, to feel fulfilled right? To be grateful and, and feel fulfilled and the freedoms and all of that. So don't wait to experience the success that you're working towards. Be present to the fact that you already have it now at some level, right? If, you're, if success for you is, is a money thing, it's how much you want to be a millionaire, right? Well, guess what? If you have a dollar, right, then you have a piece of that success now. You have a piece of that success that you're ultimately working towards. And here's the deal. If, if we don't learn, if we don't decide to be present to the success that we have now, then when we attain the success that we think we really want, we typically won't be fulfilled then because we didn't, we, we didn't know how to be present to what we had. So when we get what we think we want, then it all of a sudden just simply becomes what we have. And now we, we feel empty and we're, we're looking for more in order to fill this, this bottomless pit, this void that can never be filled. Right? So be present to the success you have now, 
while you wake up every day and you, you maintain a vision for the success that you want and you live your life in alignment with your vision. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Uh, I, I really am not watching the clock. I don't know how long we went today, probably longer than I originally intended, but I hope you got something out of the, the podcast. Please, if you did, leave a comment. You go to halelrod.com forward slash blog. You know, leave a comment below uh, or leave a, a review on iTunes. It, all, it always helps, and I really, really appreciate you being a listener of the podcast. And uh, I will talk to everybody uh, next week. And again, we're going to have, uh, barring some cancellation, we're going to have some really fascinating guests for you uh, on the next couple of episodes. So look forward to that. And I will talk to you soon. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. So now we want to know what were your big takeaways from this episode? Simply head on over to hellelroad.com slash 113 for episode number 113 and just leave a comment there on the show notes page letting us know what your big takeaways were. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by going to hellelroad.com slash iTunes, clicking the little subscribe button, and then if you would, the best way to show your appreciation for the show is to simply leave a review if you haven't done so yet. This reviews help other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them, so we would greatly appreciate a review. And lastly, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals. If you're looking to grow your business using podcasting, but don't have the time to edit the audio, insert the intro and outro, write up the show notes, post the episode to all the different sites, and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required, then you need yourpodcastguru.com, where you bring the content and we take care of the rest. We'll even co-host the show for you. Visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world.